0: Hello and welcome. In this series, I'll be talking to a range of founders and business owners about their journeys. We'll cover the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Since co-founding my own startup seven years ago, tech-driven peer-to-peer gambling business, I've been navigating the startup and investor world. In recent years i've focused on helping startups with fundraising but that often involves advice on wider strategy growth sales marketing and everything in between along the way i've met some incredible and unique individuals and they all say the same thing building businesses is hard getting economic return from any creative endeavor is one of the most difficult paths to choose in adulthood it's tiring grueling and it carries a very very low chance of success When we do usually hear from startups, it's often after they've already found success. We only ever see the final polished version with the carefully constructed backstory of how they made it. This series focuses on businesses in their earliest and most turbulent stages and aims to showcase the difficulties that entrepreneurs face and how they overcome them. I strongly believe there is incredible value in hearing the trials and tribulations of businesses as they grow. And hopefully this will shine a useful light on how businesses go from zero to one. The people I interview are from a diverse range of backgrounds operating in a wide array of different industries. We cover a breadth of topics including how you go from idea to launch, how to make your very first sale, marketing, PR and much much more. Started by Will Best and Harry Farnham, Bloody Drinks is a Bloody Mary in a Can business looking to shake up the ready to drink or RTD market. Armed with Harry's recipe that the two of them enjoyed throughout university together, they set out to take it to scale. In just over two years, they've launched in Selfridges, Sainsbury's nationally and independent locations around the UK. They've featured in GQ, Time Out and on Channel 4's Sunday Brunch. The two of them are a fantastic team, with Harry having a background in digital publishing achieving great success with his Mozart project, winning plaudits from no other than Stephen Fry, and possessing a very obvious eye for design and branding. Will boasts a career in advertising in a previous life, is an established TV presenter, and had former startup experience through founding and successfully exiting a music tech business, audiosplitter.fm. Today, I'm talking to Will and we go through the nuts and bolts of production, they started by literally making bathloads loads of Bloody Marys to test, the importance of being agile as a small business, and what led them to making the jump into this growing market. They harbour grand ambitions, which we discuss, of entering the aviation and travel industry and more, all of which I'm positive they will succeed in achieving. As with many Spare Room podcasts, we unfortunately experienced some technical difficulties with the quality of my internet. However, you can hear Will loud and clear throughout, so it's well worth a listen. Any slurping you can hear in the background is myself enjoying a few cans of their bloody classic. I hope you bloody enjoy. Here we go. First of the
1: new batch. Oh mate, have you given it a shake?
0: I have done. Yeah. So um, that's go.
1: actually the old batch.
0: This is the old I, okay.
1: Well, it's well, it's not okay. So there's a story behind those cans. Well, maybe the story behind those cans will be part of the thing. Uh, have we started?
0: <laughs> when do oh, we start? I mean, we just cut it, however, don't we? So yeah, we can we can go in. So I tell you, I've got another one here so that we can hear that. Right. That's that shaking.
1: Okay, that's good.
0: So you shake that's well.
1: Good, yeah, you got to shake it well. But but then be careful, mate, because there is nitrogen in there to keep it fresh and keep the oxygen out. So they do sometimes pop a bit in terms of a little bit of. Um, they give them, like fancy drinks. A little bit. So be careful. You're not wearing white. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that got a good. That got a good little pop. Yeah.
1: We had a meeting with um, with like a a, a well-known recipe development guy, and he was wearing a pristine white shirt, oh, and uh, it went absolutely all over him. And the trouble with the bloody Mary is, if you if you spill a bloody Mary, you know, you know about it.
0: Yeah. Is is, is it curtains after that? As,
1: yeah. You don't want to get it on your curtains; they'll be a nightmare. Um, but it's—have you got any ice there? You just, just straight up. It, it's been straight out of the fridge. Okay, fine.
0: So, what is the perfect serve?
1: So, the perfect serve for the bloody classic from Bloody Drinks um, would actually involve our—well, uh, it's over ice with a with a with a with part of our with some of our Bloody Mary rim salt which and goes around the top of the glass. Have oh, you had it? Yeah. Well, oh yeah, you okay. put it on your chips. Put it
0: on my chips. Yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. Did you get one of the boxes? I got one of the boxes, yeah.
1: Mate, well done. That is, they were like gold dust. They, that was yeah. that was an, an amazing learning experience, seeing how well the boxes went over Christmas.
0: Well, I, I could tell they were from the, um, the many emails I was getting, saying, buy right. one of these boxes. And so I thought, "Qua, to. <laughs> it told me they're running out." So so I so then I, I had. Yeah, well, they really
1: did, mate. We we had to go. We had to go and make a few, make some extras. Um, yeah, th- there's a bit of a story behind behind those boxes, but um, th- this is one of the joys of being a very small fledgling company is that you have a bright idea, like for Christmas, let's create like the ultimate Bloody Mary box with some of our rim salt couple of extra bottles, mini bottles of Tabasco, because we have Tabasco in the drink already, but it makes sense to partner with a bigger brand and get a yeah, bit of course. a collaboration going. Um, and then some of these incredible um, spicy cocktail olives from uh, from this company called Parello. Um And they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're the perfect garnish to go on the side of the drink. So we put this box together and it seemed, you know, it seemed like a good idea and it did prove to be a good idea, but there was a long period where we thought, this has been a complete uh it needs to do very anything that you do needs to do incredibly well to make it worthwhile because when you switch your focus as a two-man team to doing one thing everything else in the business basically grinds to a halt and these boxes required so much uh so much work in terms of design sign off collaborating with um Tabasco via their PR agency meant that every new iteration of the design, new bit of copy had, to, had to go and be approved again. exactly by by uh by the by the big bosses over in Avery Island where um Tabasco's based. Um sometimes that was quite difficult to get those approvals because that you'd encounter things like a hurricane has hit Avery Island and they can't, they don't have any electricity, so they're not getting any emails, you know, literally that kind of stuff. Um, so everything would kind of grind to a halt. And then when we finally got everything ready and we'd, we'd done all the kind of the, the background work and, and we thought, you know, we'd, we'd started putting the, putting the promo out there. So we knew they were going to start selling. Then we had to actually build the boxes. But to do that, it took... Harry and I completely out of the game for 3 days oh, I saw two this. of us so
0: you did a yeah. the package teach them
1: we pa- we packaged him so we got some help from Harry's uh, girlfriend Be nice um and a little bit of help from the from from their flatmate as well um but predominantly just the two of us in Harry's flat building like 600 of these boxes each which had in it four cans some of the salt the tabasco um and the olives um and to hold all of that in place, inside each box, you'd have to build another three boxes. So, all yeah, of, it, see, all the, recyclable, the exactly. exactly to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so it, it just the amount of time and effort, and Harry's flat was just completely overrun and just became. Like a, a you know, it, it was a production line, but like the world's messiest production line. He's just got a new puppy who was attempting to chew everything. You're trying to stop the dog pissing on the new boxes as they come off the production line, and you know, which obviously didn't happen, um, as in the dog didn't wee on anything. But um, but you know, it's, it's like disclaimer, that disclaimer. kind of yeah, exactly, very much so. Um, but uh, but you know, when 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 you are a two man band. Um, everything that you do has to be has to be well thought out.
0: Because yeah. there are only two of you. Yeah. So if you if you're going to do it, you need to start now because everything's so time consuming. And so that's exactly, takes, I think exactly. Hardest, one of the hardest things a lot of um, small businesses encounter is being decisive. So if you suddenly mm-hmm. thinking about a Christmas box, I mean, how early did you guys think of that and then have to put it into practice to make it happen?
1: Well, again, being being a two man team, um, you're you're exactly right christmas anything for christmas has to be planned you know six months in advance yeah. but when you are a two-man team who are also you know launching into a supermarket and fundraising yeah. and you know having nightmares with supply chain yeah. issues caused by a pandemic and also doing all of the marketing and all of the social media it gets to november the first and you're like oh god christmas no so 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 everything the, the timelines for everything, when you don't you don't have time to plan far enough in advance. and we'd wanted to keep our team very small and outsource everything for as long as possible. But at the start of this year, we've yeah. just taken on um, a new full-time employee and an, and an intern because we realized that you what ends up happening is you run out of time. And then you have to throw money at the problem. Yeah. So everything that we've done up to this point, we know we could have done it more cheaply if we planned it earlier and been more efficient. You know, we could have worked more efficiently, but you know, it's to an extent impossible to do that. You just have limited resources. So our thinking is the amount of money we're spending on you know our our amazing new um, team member that the aim is we will save that in unnecessary yeah, cost, you know, like the amount of time, the number of times that it's like, you know, shit, we have to do this thing and, you know, we've run out of time on this. So we're going to have to just pay extra to get this pallet moved, you know, overnight. And that's, you know, that's a hundred quid. And then like, yeah, yeah. we're going to have to Addison Lee this thing to there. That's 50 quid. And, you know, all of these things over the course of the year add up, um, up yeah. because, because you, you, you just limited resources. So now, um, you know, the 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 sort of the aim for this year is we're planning three months in advance for everything that we do. Yeah. Well, planning longer, but executing in advance. Um that said, the first yeah. project that we've got our uh our our new guy um Hugh working on is our is a Valentine's special for that very box that we've been talking about. Yeah. Um and uh, you know, obviously he started work on it. Well, we all kind of started as a group on it on, on the fourth of January, and Valentine's is is uh around the corner exactly <laughs> but um having that extra pair of hands we're we're pretty much there you know like that that is now almost ready to go in the space of one week because whereas before it would have taken harry and i you know we would have devoted a little bit of time every day to it but yeah. it's difficult to really focus on one thing we've just got one person whose sole focus is that job and then harry and i are supporting and doing extra cool. bits and then our wonderful oh. intern is supporting so the whole process yeah you know, i was going to say up. so
0: so who's your, your first hire then as such because you've got yourself and harry to start with so what what's his what's the first hire do what's there is it just a bit of everything is it just another clone hopefully of, of you two
1: that's the aim i mean um the so a friend of mine um works in kind of management consultancy and, and strategy consultancy and stuff and <clears throat> i was talking to him kind of when we were going through the process of hiring because he's very good at these sorts of things yeah and he was saying, really, what you need, and I, I I'm probably going to use the wrong term, but I, I'm pretty sure he said that the, what you need is the equivalent in like a in the tech world, a tech startup world, of an executive assistant. Yeah. So, so it's the person who is who is your proxy at all times, who is who does whatever you do. You know, so like they are across everything. You know, they could be they could lead any project. They could go to any meeting on your behalf you know it's that kind of um role i've probably yeah. used the wrong name but um but it, but it is that i mean you know the official job title that we that we advertised for was logistics and marketing executive That um, is that is a mix it, but exactly and they're, t- yeah. they're normally they're two very different things and and the person somebody who's traditionally good at, at, at ops might uh, sorry sorry an operations and marketing executive but an ops person might not necessarily you know most businesses they would never go anywhere near the marketing side of things but in a in a in a small startup
0: everybody has to do a little bit of everything well this is what's what's amazing about something like a bloody mary in a camera you see this great really snazzy product that tastes great and you you don't think about logistics and the whole supply chain that has to come together for this you know Mm. if you look at tech startups right and I've, i've spoken to a few of those guys already for um for this mini series and they just have to find tech talent and then they build it out and that's it. Yeah. Begin, right. Yeah. That's it. But people think often see tech and concedes a bit of a, you know, a black box and think, Oh, that, no, that sounds, that sounds, sounds real, but they'll probably look at a consumer product and think, Oh, that looks straightforward enough, but it's not. At all. Yeah. You just make a bloody Mary and then you sell a bloody
1: Mary. Yeah yeah. 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 No, it's not. Yeah. And I think the thing that I've, you know, so Harry and I, when we started this business, we between us had exactly zero experience in, the F&B, you know, in in the food and drink world. We had done absolutely nothing um, other than eat and drink. Um, And that I think that naivety, whilst it's obviously thrown up its challenges, has probably been one of our biggest strengths, because if we'd known how hard it was going to be, we wouldn't have started in the first place. Um, And I think we would have probably reined in our ambition because we would have been too aware of the potential pitfalls. And, yeah, and so it's we, like
0: you're, a, you know, you're you're fresh out of school or university, and you, you yeah. think you can do anything.
1: Yeah, you you just think well, it's exactly that thing you just said. Like, oh, how hard can it be? Yeah. So we looked around at the market, and and you know it was it was originally it was it was very much you know Harry's original idea. You know, he came to me and was like, because you know we drink a lot of Bloody Marys together, and he came to me and was like, mate, um, you know, I I think we should. I think somebody should put a Bloody Mary in a can. It's never yeah, I was
0: I was going to ask this. How much was it driven by you guys loving Bloody Marys and just wanting to do Bloody Marys, and almost macro trend driven with you know the can drink? Well, market, I the RT I think market? it stuck
1: It started. It started the former. It started because you know Harry was the guy at uni who made all the Bloody Marys and he loves Bloody Marys and he makes the best. <laughs> um, and we as individuals were fed up with the fact that we would be served shit bloody Mary's in bars and pubs, often paying yeah. a lot of money for something which tasted terrible. Um, so, you know, it started kind of that, we love them, we're gonna fulfill a selfish need. And, uh, and, and you know, Alco Pops and that kind of market, yeah. There wasn't really anything particularly premium in a can. And we knew that to do what we wanted to do, it would have to be a premium canned drink. Because we we need to use quality tomato juice and we need to use quality ingredients, otherwise it's going to say shit and there's no point yeah. in doing it. Um and we kind of originally we looked to the craft beer world, you know, living in East London, it um is, yeah. in every in every um, you know, corner shop and small off license, there there are cans of beer for sale for three quid plus. Yeah. Um you know, that that wave of these craft breweries putting stuff in cans that looks really cool. I mean, that um, market's mental. It's ridiculous. That is you know, crazy. like, you know, you're you're paying top dollar for something out of a can. And part of the reason you're doing it is because the can looks really cool. Yeah. It's a bit and it might and, be called
0: something yeah. like What's cool lobster drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have exactly. a weird yeah. picture on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. WCL. Um, but they, <laughs> they, um, you know, that kind of showed that people, well, people are prepared to pay good money for something in a can, and they will accept that this is a product which has come from a small brand and a startup yeah. and, you know, the whole craft movement. So our logic was, well, if people are doing that in the beer space, it's only a matter of time before people start doing that in the RTD space. Yeah. And the consumer is, prob- is probably ready for it. Um so then we started digging a bit further and then we saw that there were some, some cool brands doing stuff in, in slim cans and in smaller cans and some craft spirits yeah. that were doing. Well, you know, m and had to- quite a nice. Well, it's m and exactly. like had quite a nice. Yeah. Well, they, they had done an amazing job in terms of showing that you could put a complicated cocktail in a can. Yes. Because they'd done, you know, they'd done various
0: pina well, coladas and sex exactly on the
1: yeah. their porn star martini was like huge and, and cosmopolitans and stuff so you know these these are spirit-based they're relatively complex um and they tasted fine yeah and mns manages to straddle that uh the, the, it, there's always this sense that it's slightly upmarket in a way Way, yeah MS, yeah no definitely know, definitely
0: it's, it's kind of premium um, for premium's sake if you go into yeah, exactly. getting the cocktail it's yeah you, you know you're you're paying above market
1: yeah exactly oh but by the way i apologize that
0: i am not drinking one of my own bloody well, mary's well, that I mean. is your your trendy east london biz yeah
1: exactly well they brew dog but that's an interesting brand Has That
0: brew dog sold out now are they not they're not cool anymore do you think well are they are they yeah, gone commercial they are,
1: they are still independent i mean yeah. crowdfunding and and yeah. you can be part of the punk revolution. I, I think. I think that they've they've, they've done. They, they no, they're a great brand, and they've done amazing things. It's impossible when you are ubiquitous and your and your tone of voice is built on disruption. It's very difficult to 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 avoid seeming ever seeming cynical.
0: Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, if, if your yeah. whole thing, you know, like their hot, you know, punk IPA. Like the whole thing was like be
0: be part of this punk movement in terms of beer so we were saying that you've seen that m&s have put complex cocktails in a can so you've seen that the market does react well to that as a trend
1: exactly so 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 our process was we reckon there's a market for it we also did did our research into you know we like bloody mary's does anyone else like them but then there are lots of good stats around that i mean so over the over the course of the pandemic that we've just had um, so in in the summer, where, during the first lockdown, um, Bloody Mary was like number eight, I think, in, uh, uh, in average across the country in terms of the most searched for cocktail recipe. Um, really? And uh, so, you know, which is a, a good sign. And in some areas, it was the most searched for. For instance, Oldham, by far the most searched for cocktail recipe in Oldham.
0: I'm, j- uh, I'm just topping the... up, by the way, that's the gurgling. Okay,
1: good. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. That's a satisfying little... Yeah. Um,
0: Oldham. Yeah. They love a Bloody bloody Mary up there.
1: Absolutely love it. Yeah. But then, um, you know, so, so we knew that, you know, I mean, obviously this is, this is since we started, but you know, those sorts of things. And then you look at like Diffords, which is the kind of cocktail Bible that they, they kind of gathered lots of data around cocktails all over the world in terms of what's popular, what's being drunk. So, you know, so we were like, okay, look, people like this drink. It's one of the classics. You know, we thought, we were the guys with no experience and no idea what we were doing we were the guys to to solve that problem but but i think one of the other reasons why you know it hadn't been done before is the technology involved you know you 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 need it was only by the sort of can sector getting really popular and growing in general that it became affordable to go to a a can you know can a canner um, and they would have the right kind of pasteurizer they would
0: have the right kind of I see it to scale themselves because of exactly market, bringing it to a level like affordable for new entrants to come yes. in yes yeah and then, okay that's interesting exactly
1: and and I say I say affordable I mean um yeah it's still you know our cost base is painfully high yeah and one of our Top priorities for this year is to bring that cost base down. Now that we've started growing into supermarkets and grocers, yeah, we're ahead of schedule. You know, our plan was to do that much later, um but because other avenues where you traditionally expect to sell a large number of Bloody Marys, for instance, airplanes and and travel, that's yeah. not really. Don't know if you have noticed. This has uh, been a bit of a bit of bit of a, a flu going.
0: Seen. plane for a while so yeah mate it's like
1: 28 days later when you (laughs) see the first plane flying overhead civilization is somewhere it's still happening but um but yeah so so we we've had we've kind of our hand has been
0: forced into moving into grocer earlier than we planned even on that you guys had some great news it was right the start of lockdown when you got into sainsbury's local right Mm. it was or it was it was in the early months for sure
1: yeah so not not in sainsbury's local in say in the big sainsbury's
0: in the big sainsbury's
1: yes Yeah. yeah Um, and um, and it was it was right at the start. So yeah, the, the Sainsbury's was an interesting one. They, they came to us, um, which was that is
0: great. Good well, it was from you.
1: Yeah, I think it was. So we had a yeah. I think it was just an article in the Grocer. You see, this is why trade press can pay off. Yeah, you, you can feel like That's you're getting nothing back for it, and then it just takes one buyer
0: with some some influence to to. To read an article about you well, let, let, let's article. let's let's circle back around to that because i want to ask some stuff specifically on the pr piece that you guys have done yeah. really well but so so saint come knocking at the star unbelievable mm. from the grocer and so then you i mean that must have been a hell of a relief at the, well <laughs> at it, the it was
1: it was it was i mean being uh kind of um naive fools you know there was a moment when we were like Maybe we should turn this down, like maintain <laughs> brand integrity. Uh, you know, we're pretty we're pre- very premium brand. And, yeah, and, don't and, sell uh, out again. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then and we were even speaking, with, by then we kind of started working with a few mentors and advisors and stuff, and and we were like canvassing opinion, we were like putting forward why we thought we should say no to Sainsbury's. And they were like, Are you complete? idiots like definitely <laughs> don't say no to Sainsbury's it will completely change the business
0: it's amazing that you get into that mindset though as a startup i remember with the gambling business we had a guy who was an md at ladbrokes knew b2b and b2c gaming like the back of his hand and we just decided we don't want to sell out and we want to go in our own direction
1: what so you turned this guy down yeah. from
0: joining your board it was so awkward because he was my co-founder's friend from work's dad and, and what he, sorry why did you turn him down he wanted basically in he wanted too much of the company well he he did he did that but also with a if you come up with a gambling game and ours was like a fantasy sports sports index type trading game yeah. footballers and he wanted it to be b2b and he said trust me this is where the money is you can create a game you can license it out to all the bookies and they'll pay you big cash and it makes it easy to scale. You can go global that way and you don't have to worry about direct. Control. So far, marketing. so sensible, I'd say. This sounds pretty good. Sounds great. We thought, you know, we were 24. No, we want to build our own consumer business. We want to be in the limelight. We can go, our oh, game's so good that, you know, this is when you don't understand what marketing is and you think yeah, a good product. Yeah, so, and we wow. Thought, oh, we want to go straight to it. So then I made my co-founder there had been some backing and forth over equity. And then I said to my co-founder, well, mate, you know him better than I do. Do you want to give him the chop? And he was like, yeah, all right. So I think we had actually even almost agreed equity with him. Wow. And my the co-founder, essentially, he, he had to sack him. like a, That is extraordinary. Like a 24-year-old who knows nothing about gambling or technology. We were what very did similar he... to yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> right. In yeah. this at all. You just, but
1: you liked football. So, you, you know, like, like we like Bloody Marys. So. Just like football.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that was pretty much it. I'd done a, a dissertation on applying some, some econometrics to football. So, you know, we know a little bit about the pricing of this. But other than that, Scooby. And so he had this, he's the MD of Lab Brooks and he's been nice to his son's friend. Oh, my friend. God. And oh he's had to bring him and sack him. In fact, no, he didn't bring it. He met him in the Hoxton Hotel. I said you should I threw my you face, face. you've got I'll to let do him down gently face. that's what you really don't have to do these things face to face, you know. Often it no. both people prefer just to get the text. exactly send an email.
1: Yeah, 100%. yeah. That is 100%. that is extraordinary. I mean, do you do you does that keep you awake at night? Do you not regret that decision?
0: No, not now. I, di- I, I, you I did. you could I did.
1: still has anyone else done this this product? Well, so sport
0: index. Oh, sport it's basically sport in, which is index. Trading. You trade footballers. Yeah. They've come along and done it. But we then went down a rabbit hole of getting these. We, I mean, we were into artificial intelligence in like 2015. So we were way ahead of our time. We thought we were (laughs) uh... And we were trying to apply artificial intelligence to football, which was an absolute fucking nightmare. But it's interesting what you said about naivety, because obviously we didn't know anything about gambling or tech at the time. We knew a little bit about AI. But the business ended up totally going down the pan.
1: Our naivety was painless with a with a a, a enough self-awareness of our naivety and a product i guess with harry's recipe you know okay so that's that's actually quite an important point you're right because what we did have was naivety in terms of the world of setting up a food and drinks business but what we what we had what we were experts in um and we were keen to get across was bloody mary's was the product like yeah Yeah, like like that was the area and actually that's a very important point i think which i even you know sometimes forget is that like the whole point behind our business was the most important thing is we need to make a really good bloody mary yeah and yeah and and we and we're going to work with recipe development people but we have the final say we're sourcing the products we're deciding the flavor profile um and we're we're pouring you know a lifetime well 20 years of, of boozing um, and drinking and mixing Bloody Marys, we're pouring that experience into this can. Yeah, And that was the most important thing. And then there were other areas where we also did have a little bit of experience in terms of, <coughs> to an extent, aesthetics. So um, Harry's background uh, is in digital publishing yeah. and he had built these uh, incredible um, interactive books um, for the iBook platform. Um, yeah. So they they create this thing called the Mozart Project, which was, you know, which is to this day like the most sort of in-depth, um, beautiful resource in, on, on all things um, Mozart with, you know, interviews with uh, Mozart experts and recreations of pieces from symphony orchestras that they commissioned specially and Top Mozart historians yes. and and art, artists and all kinds of stuff that they brought together for this wonderful interactive book. Harry and his business partner and his other company, Inkpix Media, they were called, um, <laughs> which had which had which had led to you know that that they had a they were the front front cover of the um, Sunday Times magazine, um, wow. you know that came in the in the paper in the culture section. You know it was yes. front cover was them. They had a double page spread in the New York Times. Um, they had an amazing like glowing review from um Stephen Fry you know that they Incredible. that he was you know completely he was completely in love with this product they created so you know Harry had the had experience in crafting something beautiful yeah. and taking care and attention and um combining you know diligence and and planning with aesthetics yeah and that was why I wanted to work with Harry you know <laughs> because when he came to me and was like you know this is you know, I, I want to do this thing. Do you want to do it with me? He already had created like a little um, mini logo for bloody no, yeah. drinks and he'd mocked up some cans. Not the design we went with, but they looked wicked. And he I just knew it, like, yeah. okay, he had ha- ha- like Harry has this amazing eye. And 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 like, I remember when he was working on the Mozart project, I just remember how hard he worked. Like just being yeah. very impressed. You know, Harry's like the most laid back guy in the world. Yeah, yeah. And most of our, you know, friendship is like, getting pissed and like having a laugh and stuff, but like when he sort of believes in something and, and applies himself to it, the, the, the diligence, you know, and, and, how hard he works and the, the level of, you know, what a perfectionist he is.
0: Well, I remember when I first saw your investment deck and I was so impressed immediately with the brand and the eye for design that obviously went into it. And I remember showing it to people and they loved the brand instantly.
1: Well, that, yeah, that process was, was, was a, was a tough, was a long, painful one, but it was, it, you know, that's one area that that we were both. So Harry's amazing, you know, attention to detail and, and perfectionism and stuff, and, you know, was one of the things that attracted me. And then, and also one of the reasons why I thought he, he he could do with me helping him on this, because I'm a lot more like, ah, just get it out. It'll be fine. And I think <laughs> yeah, yeah. actually you, you do need, like, you need a tiny bit of, of, my impatience to go with mm. harry's perfectionism um you need a bit of fail otherwise well. uh, you know just, just
0: execute yeah
1: exactly just exactly and done. i think we we work together well but the one area where where we both um the two areas where um we are both equally as you know i was very happy to let harry be like the biggest ever perfectionist is is the branding and the, and the recipe so yeah. um in terms of the branding like go we went through so many iterations and potential avenues and and uh you know work with this company for a long time before they came up with kind of the 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 kernel of the idea that we in the end went with we worked we worked with an agency up in in Manchester called uh called Vapor who were really great and um actually no they're in Leeds they're in Leeds um but uh but no they, they were great and and you know we had an intro through through a friend and and uh, so there was a you know kind of element of like trust and tini- tiniest bit of mates rate sprinkled in there which, nice. which was important for a self-funded startup but um but they uh you know they did a really really great job in the end and actually the real kind of clincher i mean it's the name you know we've got a swear word on the front of the can effectively and that stands out and and grabs you and i think i feel cool showing that to kids yeah exactly exactly
0: yeah 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 although don't
1: let them drink it okay because that's that's not that's not allowed um but we um i think as we are working on new product development and as we are you know as the brand is is evolving i think there is probably going to be an element of simplifying the branding um boiling it down slightly um and you know building but just putting even more focus on that brand name and that that um that sentiment of yeah. of bloody and I think that it's almost like cheating really isn't it when your product when you can name yourself after your product yeah. and uh and your product has such a a name which can lend itself so so well to yeah.
0: so, so simplifying it out, out as the, the product development goes with the different
1: no simplifying out in terms of the look and feel right so so at the moment we've got bloody on the front of the can and then classic and then we have our wonderful marbled um textured yeah. uh multi design which well actually the can that you're holding is the christmas not is the Christmas special
0: (laughs) made specifically for the Christmas special
1: carefully designed and planned
0: yeah Christmas in mind
1: yeah so so the story behind that is we realized that we needed to go with printed cans rather than sleeved cans because they are you know much more cost effective we spent three months redesigning the cans during lockdown so that they could be printed directly on um the design could be printed directly on because with the printed can, you can actually only have eight colours. Our sleeves have about two hundred colours because there's wow. so much shading. um
0: As in, so we any spe- any can you want to print, you've got eight colours.
1: Yes. Wow. Now there, there's a there's a canning company called Ardar who we think you can do slightly more complex stuff with, but we haven't been able to get hold of them yet <laughs> because every uh, just the world of canning is is a bit of a nightmare at the moment because every brand's doing it, but. So we spent three months trying to convert our brand into this, into what still maintained the essence of it, but was yeah. slightly simpler. Um, and we got 70,000 cans printed. And the company that printed them managed to do them all wrong. So um, we ended up with these incredibly shiny cans with a couple of colors missing that looked exactly like garish Christmas baubles. So we sent... Well, I, told, I, told, I told you
0: that I like these. Do you yeah. have you? I, have I you told you. you it ne- I think I don't mind Have you, it.
1: He- have you held it next to a, one of the originals?
0: The original, original, originals—the sleeve yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah. I have. I prefer this. Do you? Yeah, because you like the, the g- original one with the, with the sleeve. It's um. This sounds like I'm mugging you off, but I'll just no say. go
1: for it. it yeah, yeah. It looks
0: a bit washed out. Okay. Well, just, it's because it's an image it's a, it's effectively a photograph exactly yeah so and i think that because it, it looks it just looks like you've you've made it more at home compared to that and that's obviously because it's may, maybe the feel of it because it's actually on the can but i i really yeah. like that although i can see when you say you know because of how shiny it is it's very shiny well the, it really, was supposed to it, to be it like was red. supposed
1: to have a couple of extra colors in there no exactly um you're supposed to have a couple of extra colors in there and uh be matte and i think that would make it a lot smarter
0: yeah um, no I, I can see that i mean i like your old design i really like your old design mm. so if it's that but more matte yeah
1: yeah well look we're going to Yeah, we kill like, that yeah well the thing is H- harry's just much cooler than me so harry's always like you, you know like got an eye on what other brands are doing yeah. that are like kind of underground, kind of edgy brands. And uh, and he's always looking at stuff, he's like, mate, this is cooler than ours. This is looking, that you know, this other brand is looking really good. We need to, and, and I think that's good. Like, you know, luckily things do move slowly because of the nature of our production runs. We have to do big batches. So I don't think we can, we can't keep chopping and changing. You know, we, there are limitations on that. So I think actually well, Harry's desire to keep you? it fresh, exactly. I, I think Harry's desire to keep it fresh will is is right because by the time we have made changes, it will probably be about time to have a bit of a refresh anyway. um
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. And ju- and just then yeah. you, you push on, you know, Harry noticing when you know cool things, new brands looking like. Have you guys mm. at any of the way through been worried about competitors in the space?
1: Yes, obviously we have to keep an eye on that and and. Um, there's two main challenges for us when it comes to competitors. The first is that somebody else is going to come, come along with more backing, more money, a celebrity endorsement and a great product. And they are going to replace us in Sainsbury's because theirs is, has got more endorsement by whoever, or they can pay more listings fees. And then they will be the, 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 you know, bloody Mary in the supermarkets. Because, um, you know, there's limited shelf space about whether there's, you know, can you have two options on, on those shelves? I don't know. Yeah. So that's the main, the first aim. And the second fear, sorry. And the second fear is somebody else is going to come along. That's my girlfriend. shutting the door. Uh, somebody else is going to come along with um, more money and more, um, you know, celebrity endorsement and um, an inferior bloody Mary. And they are going to. Put everyone off Bloody Mary's in cans. You know, it, it, because it's quite a niche product, yeah. if somebody else comes along and does a shit one, yeah. that's just as bad for us as somebody coming along and doing a good one. Because if you try, if you're a Bloody Mary fan and, and you try, or you know, you're kind of, a, you, you quite like them, but you're not, you know, avid and you try a bad one, you're probably not going to pick up a, a Bloody Mary in a can again. And, the, and this is the, this is, you know, the danger with a Bloody Mary of all the cocktails out there. It's the hardest one to do well and the easiest one to do really badly. You know, a bad Bloody Mary
0: in a can will be disgusting. That's a challenge and something I had not thought of with the food and beverage market, particularly with niche products as a business. Because if I try a product for the first time and don't like it, I'm probably assuming I dislike the food or drink. I'm not necessarily blaming the brand.
1: Yeah, I, 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 yesterday I... I, um tried uh right. handmade Tibetan dumplings for the first time we were me and my missus were on a long it was board. only your first time <laughs> yeah I can't even where have I been and Not to be? Tibet, clearly yeah. and and you know we I thought oh that looks good and I tried them and the person per- persuaded me to buy 10 and they were a bit bland yeah. and I had to eat 10 of them and I'm probably never gonna get Tibetan dumplings again but I'm sure if I'd had like, you know, somebody that had a, a bit more variation in terms of flavors and a bit more going on with every mouthful, I might now be a big fan of Tibetan dumplings, but they've yeah, put me
0: off the... had the worst Tibetan dumplings in, in London.
1: Yeah, which probably are also coincidentally the only Tibetan dumplings yeah, in London. Yeah, it might be. But, still, yeah. but, it, but yeah, so it's, it's it's that exact thing. and And that is kind of a worry. I mean, there's... There's another. Um, I, okay, one thing I'm not going to do, by the way, is go on a podcast and slag off any any direct competition, um, because that's <laughs> I, was, poor I wasn't form. poking for it. Yeah, <laughs> but but you works. know, there are there are some other there are some others out there, and, and well, actually,
0: I thought supermarkets might might make their own. Yeah. Well, Marks and Spencers did, right,
1: years ago, and the it was terrible. It right they fucked it right up um and because it was just tomato juice and pepper do you know what i mean it was like it, the sort isn't, isn't there an issue with allergens
0: in the in the factories when yes you're making these things
1: well so celery is an allergen yeah. gluten is an allergen and there's gluten in was just so fish is an allergen yeah. and there's fish in was just stores so um so MS when they did their one ages ago that it was a very simplified version and if you're not using a really good tomato juice in a very simplified version um you're gonna you're gonna run into problems so there's there, there is a competitor who's just joined the space called uh he's called is it simon payton no oliver payton the guy wow. from the great intentionally british
0: intentionally saying the wrong name
1: Slides. no <laughs> Listen, he's a big celeb he is a he is a big name in the in the F&B big world. name that you can't remember yeah, yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah is it no it is oliver isn't it do you know who i mean no do you not watch the great british menu I don't watch to go to the Menu either. No, I don't. I've seen it.
0: He's Oliver, one of the what, judges. He's
1: a big celeb guy. What's his second name again? Peyton. Peyton. Oliver. So Oliver Peyton is, uh, he's like a, he's launched a, a canned cocktail brand called Unknown Pleasures. And they do a Bloody Mary and they do a peach ice, they do an alcoholic iced tea and they do an espresso martini. Right. Um, And I will get, I'm going to, oh, hang on up. I'm going to, I need to go and get my charger. Cause I'm on 3% battery. Yep. Uh, and I'm going to get another beer when I'm at it.
0: Yeah. Sounds good. So he's, he's, he's just launched one. Yes. So, so they, he,
1: so my first thought about what they were doing was um, that it seemed odd that their choice of cocktails that they were going for, um, because what's the kind of connection between, you know, if you're an expert, if you make a great Bloody Mary, it doesn't necessarily mean that you make a great espresso martini and vice versa. Yeah. Um, but their logic is that they wanted a cocktail for the whole day. So you have a Bloody Mary in the, in the morning, you have a alcoholic iced tea in the afternoon, and then you have a, a, a you espresso, know, martini espresso martini night. at night. Um, we made the decision from the start to focus 100% on Bloody Marys because a yeah. Bloody Mary is so hard to do well and so easy to fuck up yeah we felt like what we need to do is be well play to our strengths yeah as we said we're naive when it comes to launching a food and drink brand we considered ourselves to be experts when it comes to making a bloody mary I and mean, when we spent two years developing the product and ensuring that when we actually launched we were experts in putting a bloody mary in a can you know so, that- so pro-
0: product, product development i think is something that's that's what i find so interesting about talking to any um food and beverage company is is how, how do you start with wanting to create a drink i mean are you guys mixing up tomato juice in, in your in your bathtub at home how's the yep. how's That's it
1: outside. well so we started off <laughs> actually again, like yeah we started off in the bath um I mean, just harry and i um you've got to be clean you've got to be clean in business yeah um, that was we, just a brainstorming. Uh, yeah exactly yeah yeah um and uh so Harry and I, uh, we, we were lucky when it came to those very early stages in that uh, a friend of ours uh, runs a brewery called Signature Brew. And uh, we, so one of our first things, uh, like our first step was taking the recipe that we made at home, yeah, putting it in a keg. So just scaling it up, you know, instead of you know, 500 mil of tomato juice for a batch, you know, it was, uh, See, if you get like 18 liters. Yeah. yeah. So, so putting, putting literally just pouring the ingredients into a keg as like, you, like it was a massive cocktail shaker, hooking it up to their canning line and running off 80 cans, uh, just into blank beer cans. That was phase one. Just does this product go, does tomato juice go through a canning line? Yeah. Um, and what is the? How does it feel, from a consumer point of view, to open a can and drink a Bloody Mary out of it? Because it, you know, it's not something that anyone had done yeah. before. I mean, unless you were lucky enough to, well, in America they've got a couple on the market, or you know, or or have got your hands on a um, Marks and Spencer's one in like, you know, the the noughties. The vintage. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So, like, how you know, how, do, does it work? You know, it, on any level, um, and that was our kind of first step. So we realized that it did; um, it it was fine. You pour, you know, pouring mm-hmm. it out of a can felt like pouring out of anything else. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you know, it successfully went through the canning line. There was a few hairy moments: the the old pressure gauge getting, you know, worryingly high, people running for cover. But it worked. Um, so that kind of gave us the confidence to be like, okay, right now we need to actually scale up in terms of sourcing ingredients on a big enough scale to you know we can't turn up at a canning line with uh you know sh- shopping bags full of uh, tomato juice from tescos you know we we need we need to actually do this properly um so i mean ugh, flipping heck that that two year process some of it was wasted time thanks to the naivety and um you know we did things like <laughs> so we wanted to control as much as we could at the start and yeah, we yeah, thought yeah so when, when when we were struggling to find somewhere that could actually handle pulp that could handle the allergens we had you know that had a nitro dose to keep the you know cans rigid and stuff what we thought was you know what no we're not going to be able to find anywhere that can do small enough runs and will handle our product so we need to just build a facility and do it ourselves. And we can probably <laughs> do that on the cheap. So we went to Hereford to a brewery where they had a load of rusty old, like mixing things from, a, from an old like brewery that had been like derelict for a while. And we were like, we Thank can you. buy one of them for a grand. We'll pay someone a grand to like clean it up. And then we'll just pour our <laughs> ingredients in, mix it all up, put run it into, put it into, you know, then take, the 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 mix that we made and then like take it to somewhere else to be put into these other cans but it's like somewhere that doesn't you know and then we take it to somewhere else to be pasteurized i mean it was completely mad and we uh, yeah so we we in the end it came down to we were lucky and we and we met somebody who who was an expert and could and and could actually advise us properly and, and help introduce us to the right people so and what, was what, actually what a guy
0: elements here you said you said sorry the handle the pulp
1: so be able to handle t- take take tom- tomato juice through a ca- in, through your line because obviously it takes a bit more cleaning and stuff so it's going to be a, a a canning line where they um are used to handling stuff you know then they're, they're not just like a single product canning line it's not like they just run beer through or whatever yeah. um they have to be able to handle allergens so we have soy in ours because we put a bit of soy sauce in there rather than just adding more salt to give it that mm. umami we actually add soy sauce because it has a richer flavor Um, they have to be able to handle fish (laughs) because there's fish in Worcestershire sauce. They have to be able to handle gluten because there's gluten in in Worcestershire sauce. We have a bit of pickle juice in there, which has vinegar in it, which is made with barley. Um, And there's also uh, also gluten in Tabasco and we use proper real Tabasco sauce. Um, And they have to have a nitro doser because obviously we are not a carbonated product. So once you've, you know, when you're filling each can, you have to put a little drop of nitrogen in, expands, gets rid of the oxygen, keeps the can rigid. And we have to have, um you know state of the art pasteurizing um technology which means that the can can be pasteurized quickly but then cooled down quickly so that you don't end up with something that tastes like tomato soup um so all of these different elements combine sorry and
0: what so, so pasteurizing talk, talk, talk what, what i'm i'm totally clueless on this so what right. what's the past, what's the pasteurizing process so
1: in order to make sure that we're not going to poison anyone and that the well with with any drink right to make yeah. with any Uh, with with any drink, you have to make sure if there's kind of, if if it doesn't have a very high natural content in it, you have to make sure that you kill any potentially harmful bacteria or microbes that might live in the drink and multiply and, you know, make the drink go off a bit, taste a bit funny um, or, you know, or or spoil in any way. Um, And the best way of doing that without, if you don't want to add loads of additives and, and, Nasty, you know, um, disinfectants and stuff. If you don't <laughs> want to pour bleach in it, um, then the best way to do it is to very rapidly heat it to a high temperature that will kill all of those microbes, but not impact Put on the flavour. Then cool it down. Yeah, exactly. And then not, and then cool it down very quickly so that the um, so that the, the the cooking process doesn't um, go on for a second longer than it has to. And and then you're left with a clean product. So that combined with the bam, fact bam. that we've got the nitrogen in uh, means that there's no oxygen. So there's nothing for, you know, if there's anything left over, it can't multiply. So, yeah. um, we have to be very, very strict on that. And, and, you know, I think more so than most, most canned cocktails, because they will mainly be, they, they won't have natural fruit juices in there, which, which we do. Um, and yeah. tomato, so being, you know, tomato of as fruit juices go, it's pretty volatile. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the, that, that element of the production process is- So, is so you found this,
0: and, and then you found someone who could do all of this. So then we
1: found someone who could do it. So uh, when we were in, we're going to need to do it ourselves mode, I was phoning up companies trying to find a a, a machine to buy. And I phoned up this company and and these, these guys were like, I think you are, I don't think you should do that. Like the guys <laughs> that own these. And they were like, they were like, the one that you need is going to be really expensive. And then you're going to need something to like, they just broke down why we were being complete morons. And they were like, <laughs> but they, they they, said, there's actually a guy that we know who sources these this equipment for other companies. So he might be able to put you in touch with somebody else who's already bought one of these machines and you can just yeah. use theirs. Do you know what I mean? Which that makes sense. Like, Yeah, exactly. Wish we'd thought of that. So they put us in touch with this guy called Mike, Mike Turner from UK Beverage Services Limited. Um, and I just phoned him up Mike. and we got really well over big shout out to mike he's an absolute legend we got on really well he's a lovely bloke and he was like look you know anything you need and and he ended up just helping us and no talk of i mean the guy is a consultant and that's his job and there was no talk of you know any fees or anything like that and then you know we then brought up and we like look mike you know you're being really helpful here mate like what do you want he was like well normally you know i charge x per day and he was like but don't you know don't 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 worry about it. I know that you guys are a startup, but if you do really well, you know, then then kind of you know look after me. Um, so we once we then started raising money and we cut, probably formalized the business, we we gave Mike a little bit of equity. Um Amazing. not just to say thank you, there's it's vested equity. So yeah, yeah. to in also to keep him on board and and you know keep keep getting uh advice from him. Keep and engaged. um yeah. yeah, because but also the value of those sorts of people you know, th- their value is, is as much in then bringing in further investment as it is in, in you know, actually getting the business off the ground. Because when we yeah. then went out to raise money, we had a couple of advisors. You know, we already had a board, we had a, kind of. Um, we certainly had a board, of, a, an advisory board. So then when we We had some great names to, on that one. Well, yeah, so we were very lucky. We met a guy called Dan Germain, um, who... Uh, shout out to Dan. Hold tight, Dan. Dan, big up, um, Dan Germain. Hold tight. <laughs> uh yeah so, i've always said yeah, that on the we,
0: microphone and now saying, <laughs> could have been anyone anyone that lucky yeah
1: yeah but you were uh, i mean you've got that's quite grime you could probably do it that was all right you know, was a, a, yeah you could do a grime podcast next
0: um yeah mate that's i mean that's next I, i'll have to i'll have to talk to you about that you know about the music and uh, yeah i'm a grime so guy, I'm a, I'm a grime grime guy. Of um
1: yeah but um but the uh but yeah, so my so Dan Germain, uh used to be he was one of the he was kind of employee number one at Innocent, and Dan uh, kind of I, I mean kind of literally wrote the book on on modern on modern marketing. Yeah, what a brand! In, 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 it, yeah, so um, he came up with Innocent's tone of voice and was behind uh the way they communicated across everything they did whether that's advertising and marketing or just on the packaging and the product
0: itself they were probably one of the first food and beverage independents that i like, took notice they were probably yeah. the first like stand out when you noticed branding was in yeah
1: yeah and it was they were the first ones to i can't what, what was the name for it like there's a name for like conversational brand like brand like, like, tone of voice
0: like um Oh, I know what you mean. Like, talk to you in, like a person. Yeah, informed like very personable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, you know, when they just the way they listed their ingredients yeah. and stuff, talk, they talk to you like they, you mate. And um, and you know, that da, that da, Dan was the person behind that. And having him on board again, you know, um, great person to sound ideas off when it comes to, you know, any, any kind of brand stuff that we do, but also, you know, a great person to have on the cap sheet um we we have not yet been able to get our money's worth as it were because dan's got a small stake in the business as well you know out of dan because it's just been me and harry and we haven't had time to really do a proper marketing campaign we yes. haven't had time to really um you know you know work on it uh, with any kind of foresight and, and properly plan what we want to do in terms of content
0: well that's incredible to be this far down the line without having engaged in a full marketing campaign speaks volumes for the branding and the quality of the product yeah i mean also
1: yeah i think i think one of the things that we maybe be you know i think did right again it comes back to that awareness of 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 the gaps in our knowledge um people want to help if you if you go to people and you're nice and you give them some free drinks and yeah. you and you you know you say you're we're going to you because we think you're amazing and we think what you do is great and we've got no idea what we're doing what you know you yeah, know it's so true. can you help it's so us pe- pe- people are willing to help and 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 i you know i almost i almost i i i hope we're learning fast because there's going to come a time when our sort of shtick of like help us cuz we don't even really know what we're doing won't wash anymore hopefully that we'll get to a point where the product is doing really well and the brand is out there and people uh yeah we, we people won't kind of um not believe never... us if we say that we we've we've got no idea i mean we're not we're, fuck me we're nowhere near that stage yet we've got a long way to go and we still i mean you know this guy Hugh that Harry and I've brought on as our first employee and Arva is our um intern she's amazing um and and Hugh came from a, a, another brand he's only got kind of a year he's got a year in F&B right. uh, ahead of us working for a brand called Zinda who are like a fresh food um sort of sandwiches um brand he'd done some marketing stuff for another company before in tech and he'd actually done an apprenticeship for uh, the ginger pig so he's like a really? proper he's like a proper butcher he's got all his butchers butchery qualifications so he loves food he loves Ooh. working with food some mates, right? Yeah, exactly, mate. Well, that's also brand Huge partnerships. Brand yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but he he has Harry and I gave him the job because he knows more about a lot of what we're trying to do than Harry and I know.
0: You yeah, know? I mean that's that's the key, and, key to to employ yeah, people, right? Yeah, yeah, Building the team, um,
1: gaps, and but but he's he's got to that point where, the, you know he's only. He's done a year. I mean, we affect, we, we Mm -hmm. kind of officially launched bloody drinks in, uh, so our first kind of shop was Selfridges. That was our first retail. Yeah, That's when we kind of take this start. And that was, we went into there beginning of December, 2019. So this was kind of our one year anniversary at Christmas.
0: And he did really well, right? It
1: was, it did well. Yeah, yeah, it did well. It mainly did well because me and Harry went in there, um, four days a week. Um, uh, for, the, for, for the whole of December, the two of us standing there in little aprons um, giving out samples. Um, and, you know, it was another... I mean, just fucking hell.
0: Good fun, so, that, that. It's good banter.
1: It's good banter in a way, yeah. but it's also the entire business. Like, <laughs> th- there is nothing else happening A b- uh, Bloody Drinks this month because the entire company is standing in Selfridges giving people samples. Like, <laughs> that's no, it's not a way you can't run a business papers, like yeah. that in the long term. Um, but yeah, you know, Hugh, Hugh you know, Hugh, Hugh knows, you know, he's got great experience just in, in his short time, you know, that one year that he's, he spent with his company in there, they were a small startup as well. And he learned a bit of everything. And, and, you know, he's probably just cleverer than me and Harry and he's, he's got the hang of it quicker. So, um, but yeah, hopefully there will be a point soon where, where we will need to be, you know, where, where we'll be considered to be, um, uh, better equipped in terms of but then you know there's always people more experienced and more qualified um
0: that's it and aura. that's you don't want to get to a point where you lose that um enthusiasm and self-belief that you guys can can do it, right I think it's yeah. better to, to give something a bit of a crack before yes yeah seeking advice or getting someone else to do it but at the same time it's important to voice Where you're struggling, where you might be able to get advice and to ask people, because I think that was a really, that was a really important point you said there. When people do really want to give advice, people want to help. Yeah, people like people more when they ask them for help more than when they do a favour for them. Yeah, they they just do naturally. Yeah, Um, I. This sounds, sounds like I was calling myself a. A Samaritan but I love her yeah. oh like, mate
1: I well have... look, listen listen big sh- big shout out to 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 Tommy W because shout out,
0: Tommy you know, w. You've,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah you've been you've been you like so great you know when we met um when when uh we were first looking to raise money and yeah. and you've been you know the fact that you've you know invited our us our brand on onto the onto you know chat to you on here oh, and nice. you've sent lots of people our way you've 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 pushed um celebrity friends of yours to repost uh, stuff of yeah. ours. And, you know, it, but you're right, man, like, and, and actually, you know, I, I, that is something that, you know, we're definitely looking forward to being able to do more of as well, you know, and, and help other people coming through. But like the food and drink kind of world, we have been, you know, we've been delighted with how friendly it is and how yeah. people want to help. There's no sense of competition which is i mean maybe there is when you get bigger and and things become a bit more faceless but at our level in the kind of little startup world you know we've got mates who've got cocktail canned cocktail brands and i guess even if they're not doing a canned bloody mary there's only so many cans of cocktails people are going to put in their basket right yeah we are i guess we are direct competitors with another premium canned cocktail but we're helping you know we're Helping them, like introducing them to our canners. They're introducing us to their, like you know, design people or ever. Like everybody's being really, really like each other. nice. That's interesting. Is...
0: On Selfridges being your first outlet when you were hustling various shops, was your strategy always going into stores or airlines? You know, the B two B market, or did you want to be selling direct to customers yourselves?
1: Well yeah i mean kind of an element of all of those things I mean, the, the, we knew that there was going to have to be an element of seeing how it went um and and again we knew you know being an, a fairly new product we we knew we were going to have to kind of put a few go down a few avenues at the same time and and, and see how it went see where the where the where the chips fell yeah. um we knew that retail would be necessary um it's a quick way to volume um if it you know if if you do it right and we had to get if we wanted to get onto an airline we needed to get a stamp of approval so somebody somebody needed to say this is actually good yeah and we needed to be able to say people are drinking our drink and people are enjoying it so our logic was well if we can start with luxury retail if we can start with selfridges um then the question of, you know, um, who's buying this drink, you know, well, it's like swanky people at Selfridges, you know, that's kind of a good start, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, what brands are you alongside? Well, swanky ones at Selfridges, like it, it seemed like that would be a stamp of approval and a mark of quality, both for the brand and the product itself. Um, so we figured if we could nail that an account like that, you know whether it was Selfridge's or Harvey Nicks or Harrods or, or something of that level, we can filter down from there. Um, so that was yeah. always our primary target when it came to, to retail. Yeah. Um, in terms of like other avenues, you know, we had the kind of the same strategy with the on-trade. So we wanted to get into a posh restaurant that was well known for brunch because yeah. if if you you know if it's good enough for the swanky people who are going to eat you know wherever um and and it's it's on their menu then it must be a good bloody mary yeah. um so we targeted a few places around like shoreditch and stuff and we ended up going into albion which yeah. is uh, the conrad place um which really you know, nice. it's not it's lovely it's great and, it, and it's no you know it's busy at brunch and it's you know it's it's not cheap but it's it's the right kind of um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of accessible. Yeah. We, we knew we were never, we're not, we're not going to like, you're not going to go to the Connaught and ask for a bloody Mary. They're like, Oh, we've got this really nice one in a can, <laughs> but, but you know, so, so you've got to kind of pick your, but of places of the places that have, you know, fairly, you know, speedy turnaround, you know, we thought somewhere like Albion would be a good start. So we, so we targeted that for the on trade and we wanted to filter down from there. We targeted um, Selfridges and places like that. And, and we wanted to filter down for there in retail um, and then travel, well, travel was a is a slightly a slightly trickier one because it's just quite a complicated and murky world to actually get into.
0: Yeah, but the things I can just so see as soon as I saw it, I thought British Airways Bloody Mary. Well,
1: mate, listen, the the aim like has always been to get on an airline, and the volumes. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, my mum always it, used to get a Bloody Mary on the flight. Yeah, yeah same, same. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah, that no, just it, a what thing? It, it's it's a thing. Play like Bloody Marys on planes is a thing. That's just right. And... <laughs> Good and it, but it's like I, there are actually scientific reasons behind it. So um so when you're at altitude and 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 in a pressurized cabin your taste buds change. And uh everything you, you, your taste buds are dulled significantly. So the umami flavor that you get in in tomato juice and in a proper bloody mary yeah. and the spice they are punchy flavors that cut through the you know, the, the altitude the and everything. dampness
0: of the altitude. I see. Exactly.
1: So, um, so people crave something with a bit of punch, a bit of heat and a bit of umami. So that's why traditionally, wow. that's why Bloody Marys have done very well up there. So, you know, but then when you look at the volumes, I mean, if you, if you think, you know, you want to sell, I don't know, one, if one, one per, you know, passenger in every 400 passengers drinks a Bloody Mary, yeah. so, you know, a small airline like EasyJet which is, you know, internationally speaking, it's a small airline. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They carry, they carry over 80, in you know, a normal non-COVID year, they carry over 80 million passengers a year. So if you're selling one in 400 to 80 million people, that's, yeah. that's a good volume, you yeah. know? You get Delta, who are carrying a few hundred million people in a year, you know, it becomes quite, like the top five supermarkets, uh, supermarkets, the top five airlines between them carry like a billion, do a billion passengers a year or something. Amazing. Exactly. So, you know, that is the, that's the real play that we're aiming for. Yeah. And then, you know, then there is also, you know, the other advantage when it comes to travel is there is something inherently British about bloody, you know, bloody yeah. this, yeah. bloody that. Um. And, uh you know, we can play off that on an airline quite nicely. So yeah, yeah that well, travel is the, we actually, we'd actually secured um, a listing on LNER trains who do the London, it's London Northeast Railway. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, they go up to like York and Edinburgh and stuff. And uh, we we got a, a listing on there that was going to be starting. Our first day was going to be the 23rd of March, which was, in fact, the day of the first lockdown. We also sent out our, um, our investment deck on that day. Um, and it was the day that was the biggest stock market crash since 1929. Yeah. And we 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 sent out our our investment deck to a network of um people who worked in finance and got a few like very short replies <laughs> are you fucking mad <laughs> right. um but uh but yeah we did we yeah but we did manage to raise in the end which was uh again no through no skill of our own it was thanks to an amazing guy that we worked with called James Pearson who has become uh an absolute integral part of the team i mean you know when i go on and on about it being just me and harry since we started the process of of raising money this guy james has it's kind of you know he's he's he is very much the third third member of the team he's yeah. always on the end of the phone he's the grown-up in the room that's how we kind of think about <laughs> it he's got an amazing finance background he's um he's like rain man with numbers um and he's the guy who you know is tech you know drop us a WhatsApp he'll, you know, I'll get a WhatsApp message from him at like eleven thirty at night with like a link to some, you know, some, you know, an idea for something to 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 clean up our um, you know, PL forecast yeah. or something. You know, like he he's 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 very good at all that kind of stuff and he keeps us honest and keeps on our toes. I mean, that is that is the most important thing is like know where your the gaps in your knowledge are and find as many people to fill them as possible. Yeah. Cause there's always cleverer people out there who can, who can 100%. help. And then, and then all, all, Harry and I have to do is, you know, Harry makes things look beautiful and keeps the brand going really well. Um, and, uh, I don't really know what I do. I just make them do talk quickly a lot. And yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hurry up, Harry. <laughs> um, that's the main
0: dynamic. One thing that crops up a lot for founders is the element of feedback. With the drinks business, it's even tougher as people are literally tasting your product. How difficult did you and Harry find that, taking into account what people's feedback was? Because that's a nightmare.
1: It is a nightmare. And actually, I think with with a Bloody Mary, it's almost, it's it's kind of a blessing in a way. A a Bloody Mary is a relatively contentious drink. Some people like it really spicy. Some people don't like it spicy at all. Some people like it full of Worcester sauce, some people don't. One of our main kind of reservations in terms of should we even do it in the first place was is that an insurmountable problem? You know, yeah. We we in the end decided no, it's not because if you like Bloody Marys, you know, our version you will you might want our version a little bit spicier. You might want our version with a little bit more um Worcester sauce. But if you're drinking it at home, you can add those things. Yeah. You know, and if you're drinking it on the go, it's still going to be a good bloody Mary because it's about balance. You know, if you fuck up a bad bloody Mary, one of the main problems is it's lost its balance. You know, it's too much of one thing or too much of another, as long as our drink works in and of itself and is well balanced, then, then, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to do all right. And, but, but because they are contentious, we almost had to discard most feedback we got if people's yeah, feedback I think it's is really important it's, disgusting. I think it's really important. it's yeah but like if people's feedback is this this tastes like piss that we need to listen to but if the <laughs> yeah. feedback is well i'd I, i'd make it a bit spicier well somebody else would probably make it less spicy so yeah, yeah. we're not gonna be led by every bit of feedback we get luckily for us we well, oh, we, our people, I think it, it's really hard because people are nice, you know, Pe- people are yeah. not, people don't want to say they don't like it in front of you. The main thing that we find is like, you can tell if somebody is being polite, you can usually tell if somebody's just being polite, but but the, 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 the main th- like the thing that we kind of look out for is more the relief on someone's face if they actually like it. Because people are prepa- preparing themselves yeah. to lie and to say, "Oh, yeah, that's actually good." You can <laughs> oh, tell when nice. someone's like, "Oh, fuck, thank fuck, no, it actually is good." Like yeah, yeah. few, you know, you can tell that kind of that. But you know, not not everybody likes it. Some people, you know, we have had, you know, we have had some bits of feedback, and and you know, th- there's still, you know, there's still always the worry every time somebody opens a can you're like i'd quite like to try your can before you just because i want to make sure that it's not for some reason not quite right you know that one can um obviously now that we're doing bigger batches the batch that we've done after the batch you're drinking um is the biggest batch we've ever done and actually the bigger the batch the better because the more consistent it will be proportionally the chances of you getting a very standard drink. A, a much higher when it's a bigger batch, because if you think that there is always the chance that maybe the first few or the last few might not be mixed quite as thoroughly. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm speculating here. Our producers, our production partners, they would say they're all mixed exactly the same, right? Yeah, so you know, but but my fear as you know, the brand owner is always like there's a there's a margin of error, yeah. uh, you know, in each at each side of of, of the production process. Um, the bigger the batch proportionally, the bigger this the bit of it, which is definitely absolutely, perfect is, yeah, not in terms of yet. the mixing, yeah. So, um, so I think, yeah, that's gonna as we grow, hopefully, the product will get how better. big is how big um, is the,
0: the big batch? The 50,000 cans, oosh, big boy, shit. yes, yeah, it's,
1: it's big, it's big boy stuff, but I mean, it's we need to we need to shift like 200,000 cans this year, Fuck, it's frightening, isn't it? That is a lot. But the thing is, if we if we get, you know, if we got an airline, there's always that's always the thing with a startup, isn't it? It's always like that game changing bit is just around the corner.
0: Yeah, that big that big contract, that big Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, just to round it off, what are the key ingredients in a Bloody Mary?
1: Well, yeah, okay. Well, our 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 version of a classic Bloody Mary's our classic. So it's um tomato juice. We actually use um a delicious um it's puree based so that we get the right consistency but also right. the right flavor fresh tomato juice in inverted commas doesn't really taste that much like tomatoes right. but so our tomato juice we it's
0: because it's highly concentrated right
1: yeah exactly so you 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 need the consistency right for a bloody mary but you also need the flavor right you know yeah, the the yeah, flavor yeah. in a in, in a tomato is in the skin it's in the all the insides right and and that's the bit you want you don't want it too liquidy and runny yeah. so we use a puree um which we've sourced we tried loads and loads of different ones um but we sourced it from uh, we use an italian puree it's delicious Perfect. um and uh, so that gives us our tomato base. Um, we then use, um, yeah. obviously we use vodka. We use a French vodka at the moment, but we are changing to 58 distillery, which is an award-winning distillery in East London, just around the corner from us. Well, actually we're doing this, hopefully we're doing the same with the tomato juice. Right. So we we might be switching. Now this... That's controversial because Italian tomatoes taste taste. Well, better. they do, but here's the thing, okay? Now I don't want to jinx it, so... But hope that, that we are looking at using a what what could be the best tomato juice in the world. All right. And there is a reason for that. So ow, ow. The, the reason why most tomato juice doesn't taste like fresh tomato juice doesn't really taste the tomatoes is because it's to get the ju- amount of juice you need and stuff, people use big tomatoes. Yeah. And they have less flavor. The most flavor in a tomato is in the piccolo tomatoes. But you're not going to juice piccolo tomatoes it because it's cool so inefficient and yes, they're so yes. small now we have access to the world possibly the world's only piccolo tomato juice wow and which comes from the uk from an amazing place in in uh suffolk called sterling they have this huge I,
0: I knew that piccolo tomatoes are from the uk
1: well they well it's it's a massive greenhouse but it's totally closed loop, totally like, their aim, their aim is to be like carbon neutral. They re, reuse all the nutrients from the soil. They reuse all their water. It's this incredible place we went and visited. And for various reasons, they are looking to juice these Piccolos. But anyway, I don't want to kind of jinx it. and no, yeah. Because if we don't, and we continue using tomato juice we're using, we're very, very happy with it. But um, But there's a chance we might change that if we do you'll know about it because we'll make a big song of dance of it um but yeah then we've got vodka we've got um sherry we're using a montalado sherry which is a little bit fruiter uh, a little bit more minerally right. um that goes that is a really nice bridge between the the kind of sweetness of the tomatoes and the fruitiness of the tomatoes and the vodka it kind of holds the, that flavor profile together um we use a little dash of soy what, what, what for- was
0: harry using sherry
1: before yeah yeah. Wow. Yeah. Always, always. Actually, we, actually we, things. we experimented with a Bristol cream and and our first recipe had a Bristol cream, but actually, um, which can work when you're doing it at home, but because of the tomato we went with, the, it, the, the, combination was slightly too sweet. Right. So, um, I mean, this is why it took us two years, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. They're like there's a lot of fine tuning going on. But so we've got the tomatoes, we've got the vodka, we've got the amontillado sherry, um, lots of fresh lemon juice, which again, a lot more than you would put in in a home mix, but because of the pasteurization, because of the the whole canning process, because of the type of tomatoes we're using, that lemon juice plays a big role in making it taste fresh out of the can. Um, And you want that citrus note, which cuts through the soy as well. So you want salt, you want umami, we use, we use soy to, to give that kind of richness, um, pickled juice. So a, a bit of pickling spice, uh, and with vinegar, um, again, to add a kind of tangy sweetness to it. Um, just a little touch of that. Um, we have a little bit of pepper, obviously a bit of seasoning Worcestershire sauce. That's a must. The exact amount is what took a long time to settle on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, I don't want to jinx it. I don't know when this is going out, but we're talking to Liam Perrins about actually no big deal. Putting Liam Perrins in there. So if big we deal. can actually use real Liam Perrins, that will obviously be pretty special. um And then the heat comes from Tabasco sauce, the one and only. You don't want to use anything else in a Bloody Mary. I mean, some people use horseradish, of course, and I am not averse to a bit of horseradish in my Bloody Mary, personally. And I find that horseradish can add a bit too much sweetness, and. Can throw the balance out unless you're using very specific types of tomato juice. So, for our mix, we just want that peppery heat, that kind of slightly drier heat, which comes through um, from the from the Tabasco. So, yeah, that's that's
0: that's a classic legendary unbelievable. And then finally, we we half answered it right at the start. How do you, how are they best served?
1: Oh yeah, so over ice, wedge of lime yeah. or lemon salt rim around the top of the glass yeah, the special salt the special salt if you like celery chuck in a stick of celery to mix it i often don't add celery um i i just give it a stir and and I'll, I'll drink it without um but stick of celery and then ideally i would say you want a garnish and you want a a garnish that has that kind of richness so i i would put in some olives so olive, olives on a cocktail stick laid across the top. Now, the Perello cocktail mix that we use, that we we sell through our web shop and that we put in our yeah. bo- in the special Bloody Mary boxes, it's got jalapenos in it. So it's, it's olives, gherkin, two types of olives, gherkins, silver skin onions, and jalapenos. So you have this brine, which is like salty, olivey, yeah. spicy brine. Oh my God. If you actually, this is like a secret tip. If you pour pour a tiny bit of that brine into your Bloody Mary and then lay the olives across the top, you are in for no, a serious, tr- yeah. So perfect serve, just to recap, shake, shake the can, pour it over ice uh, into a glass with a, with a Bloody Mary salt rim around the top, chuck in a wedge of lime, and if you're feeling really swanky, a couple of cocktail olives and Unbelievable,
0: there you go. amazing lovely jubbly you, you well, made best from bloody drinks yeah, thank exactly, you yeah thanks
1: very much listen thanks so much Tom honestly really no, no really really appreciate you, you no you appreciate appreciate you
0: taking
1: the time nicer man well look thanks very much and I okay. will no doubt speak to you very soon speaking
0: soon bro Love awesome
1: it. thanks a lot Tom have a Keep good pain. evening and you bro bye 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 bye,
0: bye, bye. wow Well, that was Will Best from The Amazing Bloody Drinks. Incredible business. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that as much as I did talking with Will. It's an amazing story and one that's only going in one direction, in my opinion. Also, apologies for some of the slurping throughout. I was in fact enjoying a couple of cans of the classic Bloody Mary by Bloody Drinks. So make sure you get online and give them a try. They are really, really quite outstanding. So I'm Tom Westine. Thanks again for listening. Please do continue to like and share the pod and I'll see you next time.